From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we wrap up different seasons for the Cavs and the Crunch, start the long meander through the Guardians season, get ready for the NBA play-in and a new season for the USFL. Off the field, we dive into one of the oldest debates in Hollywood since the 90s. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Big Tuna Entertainment frontman <laughs> Chuck Rambaldo is here. Big Tuna is something I've always wished I would be called, so <laughs> please explain. Big Tuna is looking for an energetic go-getter who can speak clearly on a microphone, mm. and they are willing to pay you $75 a day for the opportunity. Find good-paying jobs in name only on indeed.com so that, big that tuna, is, this, is, is this like like big tobacco like he just speaks for all tuna companies <laughs> it's like an entertainment company in daytona florida oh, i think they're just looking 75 for like bucks MC. a day yeah. that's not a lot of money no at no point in your life has that been a lot of money no, that even even cinema days that was <laughs> that, that was true. bad money it could be two minutes of mic time so it's just like a you know a little side hustle for big tuna usa <laughs> yes. if it involved it, free tuna i'd be interested <laughs> what it tells me is that speaking clearly in a microphone is not that valued a skill in our society <laughs> uh, making more than we are <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unnecessary. Thank God. I'm sorry. That was low. Well, on Man, that, hit note, the reset let's, button. <laughs> let's get rolling and start at home in the land with our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cleveland Cavaliers recap. Just when we thought the Cavs couldn't do anything right, an ugly loss to Orlando early in the week, outclassed by the Nets on Friday night. They come back on Sunday and totally redeem themselves with a win over the G League Bucks. <laughs> the Cavs' regular season ends with a 44-38 and 38 record, ranked eighth in the Eastern Conference. Boys, let's talk about our feelings. This is not where we thought the Cavs would be before the season started. This is also not where we thought they would be before the All-Star break. So are you more excited or disappointed, or does another emotion fit the bill for you tonight at the end of the Cavs season? Wow. I can choose another emotion. <laughs> See if you can find one of your three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I already hit them all. I think <laughs> I have others. Is Anger, flummoxed, is flummoxed. I don't get angry. I do get hungry. <laughs> Here we go with the recency bias again, right? Like, I'm, I'm disappointed because of where they were coming out of that all-star break with just what about a third of the season left to go relatively healthy and like in the top four in the East at that point, and yep. then just had the worst luck from an injury standpoint and just dropped a ton of those games to fall all the way down in the play-in. So because of that, I'm disappointed. But if I take a, a, a little bit of a step back, they're way ahead of schedule right now. I, we didn't see this coming. We, well, I can tell you, I listened to the episode. We all predicted them to not make the playoffs this yeah. year when in our preseason thing, right? Not so, all of us, Phil. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Someone's on a heater. <laughs> that has never been seen before. So slightly disappointed, but at the same time, optimistic right now, because I feel like, all right, here we go. They, they've got a chance to play themselves in to getting what we hoped for and a true playoff series for this young team would, would uh, be great experience at this stage. Chucky, where are you at emotionally right now related to the Cavs? It's, it's been a roller coaster. I'm not disappointed in no way, shape, or form, because I would have never thought they would be playing in a play-in or even sniffing the playoffs. It, what a surprise this team turned out to be, even with the roller coaster of injuries and, and possibly a team that maybe peaked a little too soon. And maybe young teams do that. But Phil's probably right. Optimistic. You know, no matter what happens in a play-in or if they get a playoff series, this has been one of the most fun seasons of watching Cavs basketball uh, in a really, really long time. And that includes LeBron teams, man. Yeah. And maybe that's why this is this is exciting, because uh, it, it feels like more like a team, not one or two guys. And then everybody else is just kind of, hey, you're on the floor, but you're not really contributing that much. Uh, it felt good in the year 2022 to see a real team. So I'm optimistic. No matter what happens, uh, they've overachieved or they underachieved after the all-star break, whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, how could you not smile from like ear to ear thinking about this season? Yeah, I think you make a really good point. The LeBron teams for all the success and all of the great things they brought to the city were not as much fun to watch as these guys were, especially when they were healthy 
and they had everybody there and everybody was kind of moving and grooving. That was a really fun season. I guess I just feel a little bit cheated. Opportunities don't necessarily come every year and they had a great opportunity and they got cheated out of it by injuries. And I'm optimistic, of course, because you look at what they have set and this team is not going to change much from year to year over the next two or three years. A lot of these guys are locked in and you're just going to be able to plug and play some bench pieces and the starting five looks great for the next two or three years. Uh, maybe even more than that, maybe four or five. Got to be optimistic. Got to be excited. that They finished so much better than anybody expected them to, but a little bit cheated that the opportunity for a really interesting playoff run may be lost to injury. Uh, but moving on from our feelings to our from the land play in playa, our first look at the Cavs in the play in tournament. <laughs> Besides, Colin Sexton, Ricky Rubio, Dean Wade, and Jared Allen. What do the Cavs need to get out of the play-in and into the playoffs? I don't know if Kevin Love can replicate what he did last game. Right. 32 yeah. and 15 yeah. minutes? Yeah. 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 No 10 boards. Don't cheat his boards. Yeah. Yeah. Double, he had, double. He had 10, he had 10 boards, boards. Yeah. He set, a, um, he set two NBA records. Uh, probably, I, I think I looked at three-point shooting. Maybe they could be a little more efficient, at least not against the Bucks, but earlier in the week, I think I looked at the stat line against the Nets. They outscored them in the paint, which is, is probably going to have to be the way again. Man, yeah, it's got to be efficient shooting and, and really tightening up the, again, giving up over 100 points uh, the last week and not not like 101 I think there was 115s and, and stuff right. like that. So maybe trying to lock it down a little bit more, more and, and play hard-nosed D, and, and maybe they have a puncher's chance. The biggest thing they need, and maybe this is reliant on one or two of those names that you listed that we can't choose from, is, is the defensive side of the ball. The, the way they had been playing all season, it was their enormous D getting them to where they needed to be. So anyway, I, Chuck's exactly right. I mean, they gave up 120 points to the Magic, who's like the second worst scoring team in the entire league. Yeah, like, oh, that my was gosh. gross. And, and we kept talking about all year how this team won't have to flip the switch because they're playing defense nonstop. And that has gone away. And, and part of that, of course, is due to injury. You've got a, a thinner squad and you lose a guy like Allen and the defense takes a hit a bit. But just getting back out there and playing that that lockdown defense, that's what the playoffs are all about. That's the big switch we see in the NBA. So can the Cavs find that again here in the next one or two games? Because they'll need it. They're going to need scoring from somebody other than Garland. It, yeah. It's too easy. I think we saw it in that Nets game too easy to try to shut him down. And that's a relative term. I think he still had 25 in that game. But if you can shut him down and you can just put a body almost on everybody else and, you know, at times just wait for Levert to dribble the ball off his foot and give it back to you, they're just lost on offense. If Garland is contained, they get stagnant. You see a lot of standing around. They settle for threes. They can't survive in the playoffs like that. So they, they need to find somebody. It's got to be Levert. It's got to be Mobley. Have got to come in with consistent scoring that'll free up the defense a little on Garland and let them be a little bit more dynamic like they were earlier in the season. We are going to get to predictions for the play-in in our next segment. So why don't we move on from Sip of Wine and Gold and go on to one of our Many, many, many upcoming Guardian Week Caps, our weekly look at the Guardians of the Land. The Guards started the 2022 campaign with a loss in the opener, then a loss in Game 2. Then they scored 100 on Sunday and got to double digits in today's win. They finish the first week of the season 2-2, two and two, half a game out of first place in the Central Division. Anything at all that you can take away from only four of 162 baseball games that are coming up. No, <laughs> um, you know, we talk about this every year. It's way too early to really take anything away knowing that, okay, this is going to, this is going to be the norm for, for such a lengthy season. I guess if anything, though, it feels all too familiar to watch this team trot out there and in two consecutive games, have a hard time hitting the ball of the infield. And then all of a sudden blow up on game three. And you're thinking, all right, you got to spread this out a little bit over the course of a season. And maybe they'll get there. It's a young team, but I forgot it was a four game series. And after Sunday, I thought like, geez, we, we outscored this team 17 to like seven. And we were one and two. Like, yeah. that, can't, that can't happen that often. And then of course today they evened it up. So I don't know if there's anything great to take away from it. It's so early. I'm a bit surprised. The offense showed up the way it did Sunday and, and today, given that it is 
April. And that's very un-Cleveland like to uh, get that offense rolling that quickly. Man, it's four games, but I think this is what you're going to deal with for, for the better part of the season, a very up and down offense. Not that I'm saying it's all or nothing like it was the first two games into the third and fourth, but I think there's going to be games where you just be on frustrated that they, they can't score a run and then they explode not for 17, but you know, maybe, maybe double digits, maybe eight or nine. It's tough too, because the strength of this team is supposedly pitching and and you saw what kind of pitch counts their starters were on. I don't know if any of them got out of the fifth or sixth inning. I don't think so. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. It's just a function of where we're at though. Right. With the weird sure. spring training though. Right. Yeah. So you can't get a feel for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like bright spots is that a typically slow starting offensive team, which I thought, oh man, this is this is gonna be real shitty if the Kansas City Royals pitching staff is owning this team. Yeah. Uh, what's gonna happen when they're facing real staff or a good staff? But I just think it's gonna be your up and downs all over on the bases, in the field, with the bats, whatever it is. But to see young guys contribute. That was nice. I, I hope that continues for the better part of the season. The only takeaway I had was that Fran Mill did not spend any of the offseason working on learning the strike zone. Oh. Uh, he is lost at the plate right now. And I'm sure he's going to find it, but he looked bad in looked bad in some situations that could have helped them win the first two games too. So hopefully he gets that together. But the highlight of the weekend, obviously, is the birth of Quan. Little Stevie Quan growing up right before our eyes. The rookie left fielder had a record-breaking first weekend. He went nine for 13 with two doubles, a triple five, and five walks. That's a 789 on base percentage. Scale of one to five. One being Sandy Alomar Jr., five being Alex Cole. Where does this rookie rate? <laughs> as far as their rookie performances, Sandy, <laughs> I'm going to give it a one. Sandy Alomar Jr. Um, this is like the greatest four-game start in the history of Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah. there's he, he, dozens of records. Like he's been more on base total bases times. in four games <laughs> than anybody ever in their first four games. I mean, it's just just ridiculous. So yeah, definitely towards the one on that scale. As, as much as I, I like Alex Cole roaming the outfield, I, I still think he's looking for his first major league hit. <laughs> Chuck, scale of one to five, what do you think? Well, I mean, Alex Cole's glasses were pretty awesome. They and were. I remember people trying to find glasses like that back in the day. Uh, but I think it's, it's yeah, it's more towards Sandy Alomar. I, it's hard to describe what, what happened this weekend with Steve Kwan, uh, other than we mentioned him very quickly. I don't even know if it made the show when we talked about a guy who who does not miss yeah uh, his his swing and miss percentage is like 0.83 was insane and you saw like they sh they shipped out an outfielder uh so this kid can probably play and that makes me feel better about rosario possibly staying at shortstop because wasn't it game one that, that he he had a didn't he have a shit error out yeah, there? Yeah, he had yeah. an error out in left field in the first nope. game. Yeah. You know, we talked about who's going to play the corner outfield. Well, maybe this Quan guy might yeah. stick. Yeah. I'm not saying he's, he's going to have it. And it's another guy who might be able to, to lead off at some point, too. You know, like it, listening today, because uh, I heard that the base is loaded, the guy's down one, two. And I'm like, well, he's going to get his first major league strikeout. And I, oh, I guess not. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, like it, it's uh, a guy who will have lore in the city of Cleveland for quite some time after this this first four games. Hopefully yeah. he can stay just as hot for another 150 some. <laughs> I mean, didn't they they moved him into the two hole after two major league games? Like, yeah. All right, put yeah. this guy at the top of the order. <laughs> yeah. you know? like, all right. And I'll tell you what, man, if he can keep doing it, isn't that a huge fix? For that lineup, because then you get to bounce Huge. Rosario a little bit lower, and all of a sudden those guaranteed outs at the end of the lineup go from five to maybe three now. You know, yeah. and that's yeah. that's pretty great. We talked uh, about that a ton last year, where it just takes one more stick in the right spot in that lineup, yep. and it and it lengthens that lineup, and it changes the game. And hopefully, Quan is the man. We'll see. It's a hell of a start. If nothing else, we will go into more detail in some of these week caps once we get going, but it seems strange to talk too much baseball after only four games. So let's close out our at home segment with our final edition of this season of Munch and Crunch, our Cleveland Crunch recap. The Crunch was in the playoffs over the weekend. They won a close game in the semifinals against Cheaton Muskegon on Friday night. I read somewhere on Twitter that Muskegon had like added ringers to their roster for the playoffs. Like, how can they do that? But apparently that's what happened. That set up the championship on Sunday against those whales vaginas from San Diego. <laughs> It was a tight game throughout a controversial blue card with 756 in the fourth 
almost opened the door for the crunch. Unfortunately, they lost to San Diego seven to four, and they joined the 2007 Patriots as teams with perfect regular seasons, but a loss in the final. Certainly a disappointing end to a fun season for the crunch. So Chucky, you back next year on the crunch bandwagon? You know, I, I think I might check for something I didn't know existed six weeks ago. <laughs> And it was fun, even if, you know, like the undefeated thing's great, but you know, you sent out that YouTube link and I, I was watching along with 300 some other people, which looked like <laughs> there were more people watching yeah. it on YouTube than there were in the stands. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know turf could be gray, but it was, uh, it was, it was fun. It was cool to watch. It was, it was cool to play along with it and, and see that, hey, man, there, there's other sports uh, at a sub-level, them and the Guardians on the roller skating rink. Disrespectful to the crunch to put them with the, I would, but with I the would flat say trackers. I would check, yeah, the flat track. I would check more for the crunch. I, I think I'm in. I'm in because I assume there'll be some sort of crunch season preview next year. Absolutely. On the Absolutely. I hope that I find out when the season starts more than like a week before <laughs> so I can research it some. Phil, what about you? You in on the crunch for uh, next season? Yeah, I'm all in. I, I think we should look into this. Maybe uh, it's it's indoor soccer, so their season could start again in like a month, right? It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just, true. Just, here we go. Yeah, I'm all in. I, that was a pleasant surprise to find out that they still existed. And then here we are mourning their loss in a championship game. So let's, let's roll it back again next year. I'm in. I had a really good time. I actually caught myself getting into games and I'm not a soccer fan. I'm certainly not an indoor soccer fan, but I really enjoyed it. Now. Pulling, yeah. <laughs> pulling for a Cleveland team. That's that's playing for a title two years in a row, man. I'm, I'm a hundred percent in crunch time starts 2023, I guess. I don't know. I don't know when crunch time starts again, but I know that I'm looking forward to it anyway, fellas. <laughs> why don't we take a break? We're going to come back on the road, talk some golf, talk some basketball, talk some new football. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and we will start in Augusta, Georgia, with the Masters. A fun week for Scotty Scheffler fans, but the biggest story was still Tiger Woods. Tiger started the week out pretty well, one under in the first round, but he pretty much came apart after that. He was six over in the final round, finished 13 over for the tournament. Looked like the game was still there, but the body wasn't willing. Is this the beginning of a comeback or the first sign of the end of the road for Tiger Woods? Oh, man. I don't know if it's the end of the road because it's a massive achievement uh, that he was able to even play. Everything I read and followed along in every national sports broadcaster talking about like the possibility of him having his leg amputated after that accident. The fact that this dude played to me is amazing. It seems though the past couple of years, it's, it's felt like that no matter if it was injuries or surgeries or this accident that not that it's his prime. Cause we saw it and it was unbelievable, but like, it feels like we're being robbed a little bit of just how great he truly is. And you saw flashes of it in the first round and even this, you know, like I thought all oh, this dude's back too because I don't know if any of you guys heard the hot mic pick him up when he's when he told yeah. the ball to fuck off I'm like yeah I don't think it's the beginning of the end I, I just hope he picks his spots right so you probably won't see him till another major or where somebody's gonna pay him an ungodly amount of money or a sponsorship that he has to do that his body can can still heal and strengthen and he can still play because you see flashes of it. I just don't know. We'll never see that dude again. You know, like we're not going to see the guy from 20 years ago, but we can still see a guy who can play really well and who can still intimidate people he's playing with, even if he's not that dude. And let's face it, man, golf's much more fun to watch when he's playing. Yep. Period. For sure. Period. Yeah, I don't know where to put that. I don't, I don't think we're seeing the beginning of the end. Um, I don't know how to rank it in terms of a comeback. I guess I would describe it as it's like bonus time, right? Like this, there was a good chance we never would have never seen Tiger Woods play golf again, certainly after that car accident without a doubt. But before that was happening, he was struggling to come back health wise and he would play and they just have setback after setback, surgery after surgery. We're getting a little bonus coverage here of Tiger Woods. And he is probably going to need a lot more time between events just to get his body right to go out there and then play. And, and, you know, Chuck, you might be onto something there. Like maybe it is kind of hitting them, picking and choosing the majors, right? So you get some time mm -hmm. in between, get that recovery, go out there and, and, and give it your best. And can he win a golf tournament? Sure. A lot of things have to fall into place. As we saw over this last weekend, this field is full of really good and really young golfers, but you know, like anything you, you see that everything lines up and 
someone wins another major that you didn't expect. So we might see that out of Tiger. Regardless, I'm going to see, I think you're going to see him be competitive a little bit more than we even saw in Augusta. You know, it was great that he made the cut like that. I think surprised some people. Yeah. And then for like sure. you said, it kind of, he kind of hit the wall a little bit. So maybe we see a little bit more competitive or by Sunday, like, Hey, look, Tiger's within striking distance. Let's see what happens. I don't think it's the end. He's 46 years old, two or three years where he can still be competitive. And I think we are seeing across the board in sports athletes having longer careers than we're used to seeing maybe 10 or 15 years ago. He still may have three or four competitive years on the tour, or at least years where he can play competitively when the stars align. His body's got to be extra right. It's got to be the right course. He's got to be in conditions that are perfect for him. Like it was cold this week in Georgia. That's not good for a guy with a bad back and a busted up leg. You know, if it's 10 or 15 degrees warmer down there, you don't have the wind the way you had. Maybe his body reacts differently and he can play differently and you still see it. I sent you guys text messages over the weekend on Saturday commenting about how old he looked. And then he birdied 12 and he birdied 13. I thought, (laughs) holy shit, man. Like, especially at Augusta that he he just knows that place so well and it suits his game so well. I could see him making a run at a few more majors. I don't think he's catching Jack. That's a shame. He needs one win to have the all-time record for PGA wins. And I got to think he's going to find that sometime in the next few years. Tough to, to see that guy physically the way he was, but pretty cool to see him grind through and finish the tournament when he was obviously hurting another cool tiger moment at Augusta in my mind, but it's really not fair to talk just about tiger who finished 13 over. Oh, uh, Scotty Scheffler and Cameron Smith battled all the way through the final round uh, until Smith learned about the 12th at Augusta with a triple bogey. These two guys have been the best two guys probably on tour so far this season. Do you think we'll see them battling like this again in one of the other majors before the end of the year? I think the potential is high for sure that, you know, two young golfers playing really well. I listened to Smith talk a little bit after his final round and he did mention how, how a course like Augusta really sets up for his game. So you wonder in the other majors, you know, is it just something that it's not going to line up to his game? And maybe there's another young stud that is a, a you know, a longer hitter or something that keeps him in the second tier of, of players and not at the top, but he's a good golfer. You saw him all over the course and hitting the ball. Well, up until that at, at the very end, you know, that, that the fourth time he played the 12th hole, he gets it in the water. So, yep. you know, that kind of stuff happens. You could see these guys going back and forth. I, I think you'd probably throw a couple other names in that list too. You know, there might be four or five of these young studs that we see in the top 10 at each of these majors here in the next year or several years, really. Chuck, you don't have to try to predict years in the future. I'm just looking for an answer for this year. What do you say? (laughs) I would say I would hope so. And here's why I think golf is better when you pit one golfer against the, uh, another, even if they're not enemies, Tiger and Phil DeChambeau and Kepka, like you seem to always have two guys you bring to the forefront and these guys battle it out. That's what I hope for. I I think PGA is better when it's that way, Uh, unless one guy's just dominating like Tiger really did. But yeah, I think, I think you need two faces they pit against each other, especially in bigger tournaments uh, to make it work better for whatever ratings, viewership, visibility uh, of the tour and new golfers. So I hope so. It seems like every year it's, it's a different couple of guys. Now, the one thing that was unique about Tiger was that he, he was dominant for like a six or seven year period. And it just doesn't happen. You know, no matter how many times you try to find the next tiger, you don't, these guys are up and down and it really just comes down to who's hot at the right time. When they, when they get into one of these tournaments, I'd like to see these guys go at it because I think the moment got a little bit big for Smith down the stretch. If it doesn't, that's a hell of a fight between those two guys in the last six or seven holes of that tournament, which would have been really fun to watch. So I hope we see them again, but you know, I'm a big golf fan. So I love all the young guys. I think we've got this really interesting mix of young and kind of middle-aged guys now who are in line to start winning some majors. And it's going to be fun to see how it shakes out for the rest of the golf season, but enough masters talk. Let's jump back into the NBA and it's NBA play-in time. Let's go through and make our predictions for who is coming out of the first round of play-in games. We'll start in the Eastern Conference. Cavs versus the Brooklyn Nets. Scale of one to five. One being a snowball's chance in hell. Five being, so you're saying there's a chance. Where do you put the Cavs' odds of winning the game tomorrow night against the Brooklyn Nets? 
going to put it right in the middle only because they've exceeded expectations all year long, not playing their best basketball injuries, all of that stuff. So I'm just going to, I'm going to gently squeeze it right in the middle between the snowball. And so you're saying there's a chance. I'm going to put it a little lower than the middle. I, I say that's a two. I think it's going to be tough to go into Brooklyn and beat that team. That is Brooklyn's ready to make a playoff run. It looks like, you know, especially without Jared Allen. I, I think that that hurts our chances. So yeah, two out of five. Yeah, I'm at a two as well. I would love to see it. I'm going to watch every minute and cheer like crazy for the Cavs, but that's a tall order to try to beat that Brooklyn team that is, you know, together and playing well. And that's just going to be a hard thing to ask for a young Cavs team to do. Hornets versus the Hawks. Hornets had a winning record on the road this year. Hawks have the all United Nations team with a roster that includes Timothy Lawawu Cabero. Bogdan Bogdanovich, game so nice they named him twice. Oneku Okangwu, Gorgi Duang, Danilo Gallinari, and John Collins. Phil, who's winning this game? John Collins. <laughs> uh, I think the Hawks win this game. Uh, we, we mentioned it last week. They're playing some of their best basketball as a team, uh, no matter where the players are from, to end the season here. So I, I think they keep it rolling. Same. Uh, the one guy you didn't mention on that team <laughs> uh, is, you know, uh, having a hell of a year again. Uh, so I think it's the Hawks. I'm going with the Hornets. Michael Jordan's record in the playoffs is fantastic. <laughs> he owns that team. Western Conference. Did you even know they had one of those? Clippers and Timberwolves. Clippers are the best team in L.A., Wolves have the fifth best record in basketball since the break. Chucky, who wins? That's a good one. Only because the Clippers usually uh, crap their pants in the playoffs. But uh, stranger things have happened. Uh, the Timberwolves, even though they have the fifth best record, you say since the break? Is that yep. or I'm still going to say the clip. Are any of the important players coming back for this game for the Clippers? Paul George will be playing, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Paul George is playing. No Kawhi. No Kawhi. They're hosting? It's in LA? No, it's in Minnesota. All right, then I'm going with the Timberwolves. I'm going with the Timberwolves as well. I think they're a fun kind of younger team. Uh, it'd be nice to see some some new blood in the playoffs. Last one, Pelicans versus Spurs. Neither of these teams have winning records. Who wins or who cares? <laughs> why Pelican flack? Um, I'll go with the Pelicans because, you know, why not? And who cares? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go the other way because I've gone the other way this entire time. With every, I'm going to say the Spurs. I'm going with the Spurs too. I think this is Popovich's last season. So I'd like to see him... Uh, get a win and maybe stay alive in the play-in. That's it for the play-in for now. I think it actually will be finished by the next time we record. So go Cavs. Hopefully they can pull out a win against Brooklyn. If not, they take down the all United Nations team probably in the next round to get into the playoffs. But fellas, great news. We are less than a week away from the return of football, sort of. <laughs> That's right. The USFL is back starting on Saturday, I think. <laughs> Maybe it's Sunday. I can't remember. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Saturday. One game on Saturday and a couple games on Sunday. But we've been saying for a while that obviously we're going to cover every week of the USFL. It is the exact type of league that is perfect for this show. So we need to pick our favorite teams. And so what I've decided we were going to do is we'll draft in reverse cat tank championship order. So we'll go from worst to the winner. That was me. If you recall, you get to a pick. lot of run out of this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I got a yeah. year, Denko. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We have to pick which is going to be our favorite team, the team that we will root for. We'll watch the games. We'll buy the gear. Uh, we'll provide, you know, high end insight and takes throughout the USFL season. Chucky, you're on the clock. Which USFL team do you want to choose? And your choices are. The Birmingham Stallions, the Houston Gamblers, the Michigan Panthers, the New Jersey Generals, the New Orleans Breakers, Philadelphia Stars, Pittsburgh Maulers, and the Tampa Bay Bandits. How long do I have? Is this like the like 10 minutes? Is it like please get, just do it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You make a trade? <laughs> yeah, does is anybody want to offer me out of the, the first, first overall? Trading out of the um, first overall pick. Interesting trades considered. I'm looking at it, and some of these teams' uh, logos are the same from back in the day, which is kind of yep. cool. I just think I should probably stay as close to where I'm at regionally. I don't understand what the Pittsburgh Maulers are. I'm looking at this logo. I don't know what that guy's swinging. Sledgehammer. Um, yeah, maybe it is a sledgehammer. Making steel, I, right? I really don't like They're orange and it. purple together. 
But I think I have, yeah, this will be the first time I have to follow a Pittsburgh team. I'm taking one for the pod here. I'm going to choose the Maulers with the number one overall pick. All right. Well, we've already got a huge upset in the draft because I thought for sure the Pittsburgh team was going to fall to Burkett too. So Burke's on the clock. Who should we give him now that Chuck took the Pittsburgh team? Let's give Burke. Give him the Birkingham Stallions. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> there you go. I like that. All right. Nice so, job, Chuck. Good job, Chuck. So Burke takes the Stallions, our next pick. Phil, you're up. I'll go with Philly, the star. All right. That makes sense. Miller is next. I think we got to give him New Orleans, right? He lived down yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. For sure. That leaves the obvious choice for me at the end, the Michigan Panthers. I get to root for a home, home state team. <laughs> Lines up really nicely for you. And what's even better is the Panthers, along with the Bandits and the Breakers, are given the best odds to win the entire thing. Those three teams all are plus 450 to win the championship. And those are the best odds those are the best in the entire now. USFL. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this. Obviously, we get to do a bunch of nonsense sports talking about the USFL. This is going to be great. Looking forward to the second inaugural season kicking off next weekend. But fellas, let's take our final break. I'm going to come back and talk some Nick Cage. Oh, Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field. And this coming Friday, April 15th, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent will be released in theaters. The plot of the movie, facing financial ruin, actor Nick Cage accepts a $1 million offer to attend a wealthy fan's birthday party. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when a CIA operative recruits Cage for an unusual mission. Obviously, Nick Cage is playing himself. Let's talk some Nick Cage. First things first, stat line. He has been in more than 199 movies. Those movies include Leaving Las Vegas and Honeymoon in Vegas. He was also in Raising Arizona and Bangkok Dangerous. He won an Academy Award, a SAG Award, and a Golden Globe for his role in Leaving Las Vegas. He also won back-to-back blockbuster awards for City of Angels and Con Air. Movies where Nicolas Cage was the lead have grossed more than $4 billion worldwide. I think opinions on Nick Cage as an actor vary greatly. So scale of one to five on the bourbon scale, where do you put Nick Cage as an actor? Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Keeping the pause. (laughs) Yeah. As an actor that, 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 threw me a bit because I think, I think he's just Nick cage. Like Nick cage is something in and of itself that I don't know if he's ever acting. <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, or he's, or he's really good. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little torn. I think, uh, you know, leaving Las Vegas is, is such a great movie. Like that role alone, I would put him above a three for sure. But over the course of 198 other movies, I don't know that I've seen them all. <laughs> I can only assume, <laughs> I can only assume that he rolled out the exact same everything for all of those roles or at least a majority of them so i'll I'll give him a i'll leave a little bourbon on the table here i'll give him a three and a half on that scale hard question right yeah (laughs) is he he acting (laughs) just nick cage i think there was a time where he was a great actor um and then certain michael he met jerry film. bruckheimer yeah right <laughs> michael bay yeah. films kind of yeah, right. screwed him not that i didn't enjoy those movies they're some of my favorite nick cage movies but yeah and then he kind of became a caricature i think and uh I, man it depends like the bourbon scale like if you're saying from like 99 previous career it'd probably be like a four yeah full body of work because he's done so, <laughs> so many films that are meaningless or nobody's ever seen I, I, I guess I'll put him at a three. I'm going to put him at a four as an actor because I think he actually is a really good actor. I mean, he, raising Arizona, leaving Las Vegas, like weird movies like guarding tests. I mean, there's a lot out there where he actually does play different things than just crazy ass Nick cage. And then he was in the rock and he's, you know, kind of a fun character in that. I think he's actually a really good actor. I think he makes absolutely atrocious choices. Like who's in charge of the movies that he picks to do? Because some of them are just like they're the weirdest things. I, I couldn't believe going through the list of 199 movies that he's been in, like some of the stuff that was out there, because there's all the stuff, you know, that was weird or bad. 
and, and then there's another 150 movies besides that that you've never <laughs> heard of before. But I think he has immense range. You know, that's a lot of stuff. So I'm giving him a four. I'm actually a Nick Cage fan. Put him in with some of the other poor choices I have in my entertainment. I give him a four. Four bourbons for Nick Cage. So, Chucky, what's your all-time favorite Nick Cage performance? God bless, man. Because I'm a Nick Cage fan, too. But it was those wheelhouse movies like Con Air and The Rock uh, that Face made off. me face off yeah like that those are like three of the greatest 90s movies of all time in my opinion i will always watch that i think con air of the rock was on partly this weekend and i watched some of it man i love the rock it's a great movie i would lean con air but his uh accent is so bad in it like and it goes in and out what what is the accent i don't know it's not southern i don't think i have no country disco country disco that's what it is yeah Uh, (laughs) back to that i think god but face off is oh man damn it i didn't think it'd be this hard of a question i think it's the rock for me but his he was actually really great in adaptation i don't know if you guys remember that yeah yeah. adaptation is another one that's an excellent movie he was good in that the lord of war where, where yeah, he was like a gun runner. Yeah, like that was a really good movie. He was good in that movie. So where are you at, I'm gonna, Chucky? I'm still waiting. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick on the rock. It's just uh I will always watch it when it's on. My favorite Nick Cage performance. That's the yep. question. That's oh it. my god. Hosting the history of swear words or whatever the oh, hell that was good too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's Nick Cage just off the wall to be Nick Cage off the wall, I think. But I, you know what? I think overall. I've seen this movie a ton of times and it's not an easy movie to watch a bunch. I don't know what I was doing, but sometimes in like between college and just after college, I watched it a ton and, and his, his role in leaving Las Vegas is phenomenal. I mean, it's just amazing what he does in that movie and it's not an easy movie to watch. And it's certainly not an easy movie to watch 10 times. Like I, have, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's a so, really strange choice to watch it that many times. Yeah. We got into a funk in college where it was, you I'm, know, I'm one worried of the, about you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm better now. This is a long time ago. <laughs> I sought professional help and it, it, I'm good. We got in this funk in college where it was on like one of our movie channels, right? Like the college run movie channels. Right. And it was on you know, a handful of months throughout the year. And whenever it was on, we would turn it on and watch it. And there was a time where like, geez, this is a lot of depression that we're just pounding while we're sitting in our room, pounding beers. Yeah. (laughs) This is, this is no good. Yeah. The school puts it on as like a cautionary tale to everybody. And you guys are sitting there. We we made it it into a drinking game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) what did you think was going to (laughs) happen? I'll go with that as my, my favorite Nick Cage performance, but there's so many, like he's good. in even the cheesiest, I mean, his role in Kick-Ass as, as Big Bad Daddy or whatever the hell, it was awesome. It was awesome. And then everything in between. So, But I'll lean towards a good movie, I suppose. Yeah, Leaving Las Vegas is definitely his best role, I think. I mean, he won the triple crown, so to speak, of movie awards that year for what he did. It's just too hard to watch more than once for me. It might be a movie worth watching now at 45, because I'm sure I would understand it differently than I did when I was 20 uh, and understand like the depth of the characters, just sadness to just decide to do that, to just drink yourself to death. I don't think I could relate to that when I was 20 or 21 or 22, but I'm going with the rock. That movie was fantastic. I think that was like peak Michael Bay. Uh, It was peak Nick cage. It was a really good fun action movie. At the time it was made, I think a lot of movies have tried to build on what they did in The Rock, and The Rock kind of hit like the perfect spot where it was nuts, but it wasn't. It wasn't entirely nuts and unbelievable, although it was like sixty-eight percent unbelievable. <laughs> pretty, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> pretty nuts. I think one of the best car chase scenes I've ever seen in a movie happens in The Rock, which I guess is not him acting, but plus it came out while I was working at the movie theater, so I saw it like a hundred times. Uh, so I'm going with The Rock as my favorite Nick Cage performance. Stanley Goodspeed, Nick sure. Cage in The Rock. So all-time best. This is from all of his movies, best Nick Cage movie lines. Put the bunny back in the box. Con Air. Well, baby O, it's not exactly my ties and Yahtzee out there. Let's do it, Con Air. Sorry, boss, but there's only two men I trust. One of them's me. The other's not you, Con Air. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the f***ing day. Con Air. 
Go ahead, Phil. <laughs> I would like you to redo those in his accent. Oh, from man, Don I, I practiced. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's probably better. The, for... the moment got too big for me. Uh, I could not pull out the accent. What, what's your favorite line from Conair? God, I can't believe you just stopped at four of them. Um, of, of those of those four lines, my favorite Conair line is probably put the bunny back in the box. Well, my favorite line in Conair is, is not uttered by Nick Cage. It's by Steve Buscemi when the plane's about to crash and yeah. they're listening to Leonard Skinner and he yes. says, define irony. Yeah. Uh, but I guess I'll go with the bunny line. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I like the one where he's like, I only trust two men. One of them's me and the other's not you. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I like you something I use on my kids someday. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's hit the bourbon scale again. Where would you rate your level of interest on the bourbon scale in seeing unbearable weight of massive talent? It's a five, actually. I mean, All I right. sent the trailer to you guys uh, like two or three weeks ago. Yeah. Because I watched it and said like, oh man, it's the perfect thing for him to do. If Quentin Tarantino didn't grab him and kind of resurrect him in a real role, like he did with Travolta and a couple of like Kurt Russell and a couple other guys. And even uh, gosh, Bruce Willis, all those guys kind of had a second life in Tarantino movies. This is perfect because it, it seems like it's him when, <laughs> if you watch the trailer and when he sees the, the like wax figure of himself and he's like, it's grotesque. I'll give you 20 grand for it. Like it's just, it's brilliant. Uh, it's exactly it's brilliant. who you want him to be, right? right? Yes. So to me, it's a five. Like I, I would, I would, I would drag my ass to a theater. I think to see this movie. Oh, Whitney's so lucky. Phil, how about you? <laughs> Interest level. I it's above a five. I mean, this is like, oh, I couldn't wow. be, I couldn't be any more interested to see something about Nick cage with Nick cage in it as I am for this, because it's what's in front of me, right? Like this is, this is Nick cage potentially at his greatest in every way. I can't wait to see it. Like I, I'm going to watch it and probably have to rewatch it and sit back and just soak it in because it's Nicholas <laughs> mother cage playing weird. himself oh, weird way um, to say it. yeah man you gotta drink something like nicholas cage you gotta drink that in right like that is yeah. that's nick cage right there that is that's your experience um he's got his own scale maybe next week we need to bust out a new from the land segment from the land all eyes on me and we'll all watch <laughs> the movie and then review it because i'm a five two i can't wait to see this yeah. i think it's going to be hilarious i miss more nick cage in my life we should definitely review that movie. Get, get the many saints of Newark taste out of our mouth. Finally. Oh yeah. That's revisit, a good point. <laughs> revisit this segment with Nick Cage. Did I have another name for movie reviews when we watch when we watch many saints or I don't know who's in charge. Oh, of that kind of yeah. That's your thing. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Winning time. Episode six came out last night. We're recording a day late on Monday night. So I know Denko has already watched episode six. Phil, Tell us what we should hope to see in episode six without spoiling anything for us. <laughs> you should hope to see, huh, without spoiling anything. That's interesting. <laughs> um, you should hope to see a lot more Pat Riley and Paul Westhead, for sure, after the way episode five ended. And you should hope to enjoy a lot of really well-written one-liners in this episode from start to, to finish coming out of some of the I, I'm not ancillary characters, but a lot of the, um, you know, your, your uh, Pat Riley's, they have some interesting one-liners in this episode. The logo has some really interesting one-liners in this episode. <laughs> so just stuff like that is what you should hope to see. So Chuck, having not seen episode six, what are you hoping to see? I liked how it all came together in five, like the pieces started to fall in place. Kareem found out who he really is and retouched himself with with islam they brought in uh the guy from the wire i was like hey he's, man he's a little old to be playing in the nba how old is he now uh, in real life but I, I like that it all came together for everyone including pat riley uh when he was doing play-by-play -play stuff i truly enjoyed the build at the end like that anticipation of something yeah. terrible happening yeah. felt a lot like the sopranos and they did a great <laughs> swerve with him not getting hit by the car i'm like oh he's gonna be fine and then i saw the worst bike accident in the history of bike accidents in television <laughs> history. So I'm interested to see how they put those pieces back together. Um, Cause just when you thought everything came together, even for, for Jerry bus in his nightclub and the Laker girls and all that stuff. Uh, I hope it, it they somehow battle through. I guess. Yeah. Oh boy. 
you should yeah. hope to see some interesting nightclub scenes in this episode. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> great. I had no idea that Jack McKinney almost died on his 10 speed. And I actually looked it up after I saw the episode to see if this, is this really the way this guy goes out and sure as hell it was. And like, he was never the same after that. It's tragic. So I'm just hoping to watch something that shows that he's okay when uh, episode six comes around, but I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. Fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that this little podcast passed 2,500 total listens this week. With that news about how from small things, big things come. I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. That's almost as many films as Nick Cage has. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like it's pretty good (laughs) how did i say that they're enormous d getting them to where they needed to be yeah i don't think you needed to say it twice (laughs) for editing purposes (laughs) it's twice as nice (laughs) so anyway i you know the guardians of the land ah that's terrible (laughs) Ah, i wrote it i saw it i knew it was terrible and then i said it and it was worse anyway then they scored 100 on Sunday and got to double gi- digits. <clears throat> they won a close semi. <clears throat> oh, God. This is off to a terrible start. Gorgie Duang, Danilo Gen- Gal- <clears throat> Dil- <laughs> I can't believe I made it this far without f***ing up. Yeah. <laughs> Dan- Danilo Gallinari. He also won back-to-back block. <clears throat> Damn it. That sounds good. Do you guys see today that uh, they ruled Allen out for tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think that they were going to. I didn't think he was going to make it. That fucking sucks. Yeah. Broken finger. Come on. I know. I guess like he's been he's been warming up before the last three games. Like they I've seen you could see him before the game out yeah. on the court with the guys when they, they go to video footage. And I guess he's just. I didn't realize this. The fracture is actually lower in his finger. I, I assumed it was like fingertip or that yeah, area. Yeah. You know, it's actually closer to the to the other end of the finger. So they're buddy taping it, but it's so this end? Correct. Yeah. Not right. so much this end. Not so much here. Right. More <laughs> here. More <laughs> right there. here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so now we know what the picture is going to be. <laughs> so, yeah. so the, uh, uh, I guess he's just having a hard time, like catching a pass, you know, just cause no matter what you're, you're hitting that, it, you're hitting that part of the finger yeah. with the ball. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, man, at some point, like, don't you just buddy tape those things together and get Can't out there you and shoot rebound? Them up? Yeah. <laughs> like the rebound. Nick who played on a broken leg in the finals. Oh yeah. Uh, Willis Reed. Yeah. 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 Get a, a broken leg. Yeah. 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 Come yeah. on, Alan. You have a broken <laughs> middle <up>. finger. <laughs> That we can tape to the next finger and you just yeah. have four fingers. You're okay. Yeah. Like go out there and rebound the ball. Can't you catch the ball with one hand? Your hand has <laughs> got to be bigger than like a first baseman's mitt. <laughs> yeah. But man, now, uh, well, maybe he'll be back if, if they have to play on Friday, maybe we'll be back by then, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Since my, my daughter is convalescing from her c-section about 50 feet away in a guest bedroom i promised her we would we would try to be a little bit more efficient than usual tonight um we're not off to a great start we're only like about seven minutes ahead of our normal schedule should have have led with that (laughs) (laughs) what fun would that be tell us 25 minutes into our conversation (laughs) all right we're ready to go Oh boy, Chuck, for a second there, it looked like you were like rubbing under your lip on your gum, like you were rubbing like Coke into your, into right. your gums. Now he's ready to go. Yeah, That's how I do the pod, baby. <laughs> Ride that white horse. Give me a little bump here. <laughs> I know it's later than usual, but. <laughs> no. Oh, no. All right. <clears throat> you guys, uh, 
see all the Quan nicknames that started popping no. up today. Oh, they're oh man, I bet it's great. I, I started the writing internet. them. I started <laughs> writing them down. Like, give them to mag- me. Magic Quanson. <laughs> Quan Solo. Quan Solo. All right, good one. Genghis Quan. <laughs> what was that one? Genghis Quan. Well, that Genghis sounds a little Quan. bit racist. I'm not sure that's okay. King Quan. King Quan, I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> excellent. Laquan James. <laughs> Lake Erie Quanster. Not bad. Oh, All right. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Um, Quan in a million. Quan base percentage. Pretty fitting. Yeah. My favorite, yeah. though, was Wu-Tang Quan. No uh, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang Quan. Quan. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to need you to I'm going to need to text me all those checks so I can use them in the Throughout future. The year. Uh, man, this kid, right though, he is. Uh, he we'll see. I mean, obviously, he's going to he's going to cool down a little bit. He's hitting 792 or whatever. Yeah. Know, yes. But uh, yeah. Um, what if he only cools down to 500, though? That would be a record. I mean, what, what, <laughs> honestly, like, right. What if he only cools down to like 300? That would also probably lead this team in hitting. Yeah. This, yeah. You know, this <clears throat> yeah. The rookie. That's crazy. Just like, great to see a, a prospect who is like a legit contact hitter. Yeah, and it's yeah. just one that like, isn't going to strike out like that. I think like he's gotten away from it later in his career. But when Jose Ramirez first came up, he was really hard to strike out. Not, not quite to the extent this guy is, but I remember thinking like, oh man, I love this dude because he doesn't strike out. He puts the ball in play. Um, and, you know, I don't know, guys want to hit home runs, so they don't do that as much anymore. So it's kind of cool to see this guy doing yeah. it. Yeah. Three run triple works. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't like they, they scored a lot of runs with home runs, right? This was the last uh, two games. No. Mercado oh, well, two, I think Mercado had a grand slam. He looks jacked, by the way. Like, they how said much he added he 20 up? pounds. They're going to oh, test him after this weekend. I'm about to say, I hope he's, I hope he's juicing. I hope yeah. he's, oh, he, he's one of those guys that juiced in the window. That's right. I'd love it. He had another home run today. He had a, he had a yeah. grand slam yesterday and then yeah. a three run home run today. And I think that's our only, Oh, Ramirez had a home run. That's um, right. Yeah. Left, yeah. You know, swinging lefty. Yeah. 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 But right. Boy, that would that. be something though, man. If, if Mercado could hit. Then you're outfield 60. You're outfield set. With, You've got with three like outfielders. 10 or 15 home runs and yeah. like 60 RBIs yeah. and Quan can just be a good average. two hole. The guy hit. who got yeah. uh he's supposed to come back Friday. The guy who got hurt with the nailer. 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 But that would allow him to play first. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If we could sit Bobby Bradley, who yeah. does not look like no. he has figured it out, although he's still <laughs> Only buttons like two buttons on his jersey. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is the coolest thing he, he the, does. He is yeah. the Dr. Bus. He's the Dr. Yeah. Bus of oh. the Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> I'm not I'm even not sure Bus's shirt. shirts have buttons. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they did, he'd only have one or two of them fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't go Tampa Bay, Chuck. Do you have yeah, an affiliation I to was, the I was thinking Buccaneers. About it, I just figured I should stay close to home. These yeah, get the local Yeah, because you man. thought you were getting down to the game, right? <laughs> I might. Why Good Lord, their jerseys are 80 bucks. Oh, they just have they they have just pre-order. straight USFL gear. This is pretty nice. Oh, I could like go the, for a USFL t-shirt. The, yeah. <laughs> like what's his name wearing the NFL hat to the Super Bowl the one year? Uh Rob Lowe or whatever. Yeah. So look at this, Philadelphia Stars. It's a bad logo. Curbs, your logo's not bad. That I don't, like, I don't know if I like the colors. Decent. Yeah, the, the colors are kind of gross on all of them. I have, I have basically like Washington Commander colors here. Yeah. Of. Oh, your logo is like a Liberty Bell. That's cool. Yeah, and they're not taking advantage of it all. Their hat just says Stars. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. all their hats. Yeah, like yeah, that's pretty basic stuff. Maybe we should design our own USFL gear and see if we can sell it like the like the GV guys or whatever yeah, that the is. GV art, do you just yeah. make it? It can't be exactly the same, just close enough. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the GV art. I, I was looking at this the other day. GV art has some sweet Guardians hats, um, that are obviously not MLB yeah. licensed. Oh, the Maulers are bad, Chuck. You look like the old Denver Broncos. Yeah. Oh, man. 
They look like you want to uh, redraft like, and we'll just start over. It looks like um like Clemson reject jerseys. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Clemson said, no, we're we're good. This is interesting. So the USFL, they they their only their only gear is through their site, it looks like. That's way more. We, we've got more listens than Nick Cage has made movies, which is a totally ridiculous comparison. Those two things have nothing to do with each other. Oh, oh. <laughs> Nick Cage. When's this movie come out? Friday. Friday. It's Friday. Yeah. I hope it smokes Father Stew at the box office. Oh, yeah. Father Stew. Father Stew. I, uh, something like uh, I, I read today, or I didn't read the article. I saw the headline that, that, um, what's his name? Mark Wahlberg uh, was upset when filming father Stewart or not upset, but hated the fact to put on 30 pounds. All he did was drink olive oil. I'm like, what the fuck? You could have gained 30 pounds other ways. Like why are yeah. you just drinking olive oil? Yeah. You could have had milkshakes, like ice cream Sunday. Yeah, you know, exactly. Whatever. Live the dream, man. Yeah, like, you, yeah, let's <laughs> wings let's and beer for just every drink meal. olive oil. <laughs> Seems like a wasted opportunity. <laughs> oh. Hey, real quick question that I didn't have time to ask best actor playing themselves in a movie neil patrick harris and harold and kumar go to white castle chuck norris in dodgeball bob barker and happy gilmore howard stern in private parts go my favorite is is barker uh because it was just so out of character yeah, yeah. so well but it's it's howard stern the guy was never an actor and it's a great movie like he, he yeah. does a great job in that film so yeah i think the, it's him that's probably the the best movie of that group yeah for sure i don't know man harold and kumar the first time you saw it like back in college that was a pretty funny movie yep nph would not say that man (laughs) 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 i kind of like the neil patrick harris one because i think it was before he was on that show the how i met your mother yeah and so it was like the first like the first time you'd seen him since doogie yeah. And he was like all drugged up and partying and like cursing and shit like that. And you're like, yeah. whoa, that's kind of like you're saying about Bob Barker. It's like way out of, yeah. excuse me, what you thought uh, Doogie's character was at that point. All I'm going to do is think about Nick Cage movies now for the rest of the night. I know. There like, are so didn't many. bring up Moonstruck. Wasn't he in Moonstruck? He was in Moonstruck. Yeah. Was he in Moonstruck? She won yeah. an Oscar for that, didn't, didn't she? Yeah. Win an Oscar for that? Yeah. yeah. I think he was in Moonstruck. He was. I guarantee you, trust me. I look went through a huge list today. There's he was in some crazy movie. What was the one where he was the uh like the the um uh, the cop in New Orleans? Um are you thinking of the Scorsese movie? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it was a big oh bad lieutenant or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a voice in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, too. I forgot about that. He was pretty good in that. So he was, I think it's called Bringing Out the Dead. It was like a Scorsese movie where he was like this. Oh, yeah, he was the ambulance driver. Ambulance driver. Right, it's just right, like right, people right. just kept on dying on him and stuff like yeah. that. It was just like this whole thing of. Movie. Then he was on Frozen Ground with John Cusack. Oof. Yep. Not a good movie. World Trade Center in 2006. He's been in everything. Oh, Snake you know Eyes. I saw, I saw that movie. Snake Eyes. a great movie. Yep. Mostly because of Carla Gugino. I was a, I was big in her. I'm gone in 60 seconds. Yeah, what gone in 60 movie? seconds. Yeah. I liked I'm him in gone in 60 it. seconds. So there's a movie called Matchstick Men where he plays like a con man. That was a good movie. Another good weatherman? movie. Yeah. Remember the weatherman? Did you guys ever yeah. see that? Yeah. He was awesome in the weatherman. Yeah. That's the movie where he wakes up. Oh, was that the weatherman? Yeah. Where he wakes up and it's not his life. Um, what the no. hell? The Weatherman a movie. It's actually a very, it's, it's a pretty decent movie. I, I kind of know what you're talking about. Obviously, yeah, all the national treasure on his IMDb. That's forever. what I'm looking at. But Weatherman, Weatherman, I remember being a good movie. Like I yeah, he's it. like a weatherman who gets shit on by everybody and like he fights yeah. back. But I really liked Lord of War. I actually like that movie. I, I've yeah. seen that multiple times. Family Man. The Family Man is where he Family wakes man. up and has. It's a nice, it's a nice holiday film, I believe. Wind Talkers, yeah. I remember that one. God, he was in Wind Talkers. Eight millimeter. Yeah. yeah, he was in Wind Talkers. <clears throat> Eight millimeter. That was yeah. another crazy movie. I think the first National Treasure movie was okay. 
I enjoy that. The yeah, other one's yeah, got a little bit crazy, but I could use a reboot. I don't remember Amos and Andrew. About no, industri- no. Industrial Symphony, yeah. Industrial Industrial Symphony Number One: The Dream of the Brokenhearted, a made-for-TV movie in 1990 with Nicolas Cage starring in it. Jeez, 1990. I guess that's before he kind of. Well, the hell, Raising Arizona had to be in the 80s, right? Yeah, that was 80s. Struck was in 87. So yeah. Raising Arizona, yeah. Both. Of Gosh, how does he go in 87 from Moonstruck and Raising Arizona to 90, making a movie that's made for TV? Again, it's just Whoa. like it's just like poor decision making is his problem. He was a, one of the he was one of the friends in Fast Times at Ridgemont Ridgemont High. He's like J.R. Smith. Like it's just like the <laughs> talent's all there. It's just the decision making so questionable. <laughs> What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?